0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, you living legends, to your Wednesday night audiobook story. The Stone in the Stream, chapters 17 to 19, written by Fee Stringer. And as I explained last episode, the rain and wind are still continuing to heavily whack my house, and I'm doing all I can to actually noise cancel it out. But in the meantime, I won't have a proper intro and outro, at least for today. For this Friday, though, looking a lot clearer, and I can return to normal recordings. Weather fluctuations like this are always painful, but I'll do my best to bring you your stories nonetheless. Today, Zoe encounters Dr. Roach 2.0, a different Jason, as it were, but also the same Jason in many, many ways. And the question here is, how do you convince a person you knew and possibly loved from a different reality that you knew them, and that there's something bigger going on in their reality that they're in. Well, you need time. The very same aspect of reality that has been so severely warped in stone in the stream. Enjoy, you lovelies, and I'll be back to normal this Friday coming, I think. As always, mates, till next we meet. Jason took off his glasses and rubbed the bridge of his nose. I will ask you where you saw these in a moment, if it matters. But let me first share with you the four possibilities that I have narrowed this issue down to as possible explanations. He cleared his throat and drank more of his tea. Forgive me, Zoe. I have not slept since we last saw each other at the hospital. Since you mentioned Boris, I started looking into things. And this was not expecting, well, this. He said, gesturing to the papers and information. I am sorry, Zoe said with sincerity. She wanted to say more, but was determined to let Jason finish his thoughts at his own pace. The first possibility, he began, is that this is one of the most bizarre and detailed cases of identity theft in history. I am the victim, and you are the perpetrator. Zoe's eyebrows raised, and she could not help but let a small smile escape. Okay. I told you that all of these were unbelievable. He said, but you know more than me about this already. She nodded again. Go on. Okay. The second possibility is that you are severely mentally ill and this is not a case of identity theft but of some kind of strange and extremely resourceful form of stalking that i am not familiar with he looked at her for her reaction again she did not smile this time as the phrase mentally ill was very close to home and the fact that he had done research into what he had before him had without a doubt brought up a history of it Her reaction was to simply nod again. The third is that I am becoming mentally ill, and that I have been going around with you in some sort of delusionary fantasy that I have no recollection of. He drummed his hand on the table, looking down at it. What is the fourth possibility, Jason? Well, that is probably the most unbelievable. He said with apprehension. The fourth is that you and I have been experiencing something supernatural, or at the very least beyond my understanding, and it is affecting things in a temporal sense, like affecting time itself, and for some reason, you and I are perceiving the same event in different ways completely. He turned and looked her dead in the eye. She returned the look to him and whatever slight expression that was on her face that she had fought so hard to suppress must have communicated to Jason somehow. So, you think it is the last one, I take it? Zoe looked down at the documents and was about to speak when Jason finally started to lose his cool. He spoke now with fear and more volume than Zoe was used to. Because this right here, he said, grabbing the sheet of paper with The custody agreement on it says that a few months ago I agreed to let you work for me in this office and I signed off on it as well as you. Jason, that's because that's what happened. I don't... Oh, really? He cut her off. Because I don't remember doing it and I especially don't remember doing the date it was signed eight months ago and I really don't remember... Signing it in 1972. What? Said Zoe. Jason smirked at finally having a piece of information. Zoe didn't. I found this filed with the city. So I went and had a look at it. The paper it is printed on is over 30 years old. And it was found in a part of City Hall in the archives, amongst other files, that were just as old. Except... This one had a date of only a few months ago on it with both our names. No, Jason, when we... When I signed that, it was only a few... I'm not finished, Mrs. Bauman. Zoe? He had cut her off again. Those documents you recognize on the computer, they were scanned into various archives by an internet information company that specializes in older document preservation. Some of them are from the 50s. This one here, he said pointing at the screen, was found in the recovery of a courthouse fire in Ireland in 1887, still with the same dates of six months ago, and written in ballpoint pen. The company was apologizing to me and is doing a fraud investigation. Zoe had nothing to say with words, but the distress on her face was unmistakable. She knew what it was like to start losing grip on what was real and what was not. But she rarely had ever thought to watch someone else go through it. And in this case, someone she cared about deeply. And then, there is this, he said, gesturing to the whole office. I'm finding bits of research that you and I, apparently, did together, that I have no memory of. And they stretch back the dates before either of us, the university, and in some cases before the whole friggin' country were born none of this makes any sense zoe wanted to offer her hand in comfort but did not know how it would be taken you have no reason to trust me jason but maybe i can help with my pieces of the puzzle jason had regained some of his composure zoe had not been sure if tears were in his eyes until a moment ago do you think you can help She finally did decide to offer her hand to his, which he took with caution. Yes, I think I can, although not as much as either of us might need, she said with a slight smile to try and lighten his emotional burden. Let me start by telling you that I had no idea who you were either until I saw you in the diner. Until then, we were both in the dark. They decided that the local park, even with the chill in the air, and the overcast was preferable to the stagnant air in the office. There was autumn wind in the air, and the hiss of leaves sliding on sidewalks accompanied them as they walked to a bench. Both Zoe and Jason gripped coffee. As they sat down, Jason was saying, I'm not sure who would have gone to all that trouble to fake all these things and why, but I can barely trust myself anymore. Zoe went into a tale of visions Illness and prophecy that stretched back over the last eight months, including how they met, Jason listened attentively, but Zoe could see that he did not believe her, even giving the unbelievable evidence he had shared with her. His mind would not wrap itself around her stories beyond reality's content. The terms and names that she had been giving all lined up with his knowledge as she spoke as she came to the present. She acknowledged how odd it all was. if I were you, Jason. I would not believe it either, so honestly I'm not offended in the least if you don't. She sipped her coffee before continuing. A bus travelled by causing a spike of motorised noise that cut through the sounds of the autumn wind. As it drove out of range again, Zoe finally stated, Jason, if you don't believe anything at all else about this business, please believe me when I tell you that we were very good friends, and I cared for you very much. Jason turned his head and they made eye contact again. Do you mean that we were, uh... uh... His awkward and unfinished question spoke for itself and Zoe quickly answered. No, we were not involved like that. I mean, not that it would have been wrong or anything, I just... He smiled for the first time in hours, and it diffused her nervousness. It's okay. We don't need to go there right now. Zoe reached over and squeezed his hand. Okay. It might have been a full minute or two before either of them spoke. Their hands were still together, and Zoe wondered if it was some lingering familiarity that he still had for her. A spinning pillar of leaves swirled along the sidewalk, and they both watched it drift by. The moment had passed, and Zoe turned back to Jason, who still did not seem comfortable with her holding his hand, but also looked as if he would be just as uncomfortable not holding it. Jason, I think maybe there are a few things that I might ask you that could clear this up. At least maybe get us on the same page, even if the page is crazy. Okay, he said, nodding. Shoot. Well, maybe we are both crazy or maybe just me, she said, letting go of his hand so that they could both concentrate. But in my version of what happened, you took that office. Zoe gestured to where they had just come from, here in town because of me. I remember you saying that, yes. She looked at him, waiting for him to see if he might anticipate what she was going to ask next. When he did not, she continued, well, this thing, this, whatever it is, does not seem to add much content to the status quo, right? I mean, it seems to only subtract and occasionally scatter things, time, whatever. The lack of correct language was frustrating her, so Jason added, Yes, I understand, Zoe. It seems to have an effect on reality, as you describe it, go on. Thanks, she said before finishing off her coffee. But since you had no idea who I was until the other day, why do you have an office in town? Or not to sound too egotistical, but what made you decide to start working here if it was not for me? Because I don't see it making up a new background story for you. Jason smirked and said, Well, yes. I got set up here a few months ago for the, uh... I mean the, uh... His facial expression showed someone desperate to remember a simple fact but could not. It was a common expression Zoe had seen when someone tried to remember if they left the oven on, or the birthday of a spouse, or sometimes a past event of some importance but now this expression of trying to recall the information was mixing with fear of the unknown. Zoe took his hand again as he struggled to recall. Wait a minute, this is... I mean, I got a call from... There was panic in his voice and Zoe squeezed his hand again. No, no, no. I mean, I came here to work on... Even in the chill of the air, Jason was sweating. He let go of Zoe's hand and held up his index finger and said, Wait! He reached inside his coat and produced a cell phone, which he quickly, after pressing a few frantic buttons, held up to his ear. Zoe watched as he waited for whomever he called to answer. Jason? She said in an attempt to ask him what he had hoped to find. He held up his hand again towards her with agitation. Yes. He said into the phone at last. Yes, this is Dr. Roach calling. I was wondering if you could look up my lease agreement with the grant office. Yes, I can hold for a moment. He looked at her and stood, obviously questioning trust again with her, his sanity needing an answer to the question that she had posed to him. Yes? He said again to the party on the other end of the phone. Yes, thank you. I was hoping you could read to me the grant and research title from Section 2 and just tell me what it says. There was another pause. Yes, it should be right in the... Oh, I see. No, that's all right, I... Will, thank you. Goodbye. Zoe looked at him and licked her lips, worried about his emotional state. Jason, are you... He nodded again before speaking. Yeah. They had the lease agreement, but neither the university housing or the grant offers had any paperwork saying what I'm here to work on. He gave a sad laugh. <laughs> and I can't remember what I have been doing in my office here for the last six months either. When he spoke, his eyes were staring out into the empty air. He sat down and continued staring like someone who could not remember a nightmare but it still haunted him. Have I just been sitting at my desk doing nothing all this time? Zoe spoke up quietly and calmly. No, Jason, you and I have been working together Has something made you forget and made it seem like it didn't happen? She paused. And you are not crazy. He glanced down at the ground when she spoke, as if she had been answering the question that had been rattling around the back of his mind for days. Maybe we both are. He said warmly. Chapter 8 Retracing Steps We Never Walked The next few days were filled with two things. First, there was an overabundance of conversation between Zoe and Jason, theorizing about the nature of what had been going on and why. And there was also an overabundance of coffee consumed by the pair as well. Although Zoe was back in her apartment, Jason had been picking her up in the mornings in an attempt to recreate some of the routine in the hope that it might help. There had been a hope in Zoe's mind that Jason would regain his memory of her and their time together instead of just accepting that it had simply happened. But thus far, there were little to no traces of familiarity felt for her by him. He was still the friendly, awkward, and somewhat mad. Archaeologist he was, but her presence was no longer something that had happened into his life. Instead, it was something that had been forced there beyond his control, and this fact was apparent in the subtleties of how the two interacted. Zoe also was feeling guarded as well, She had to keep asking herself if what had happened to them could happen again, and they might lose each other in a way that would allow no starting over, if they might fall into being total strangers again. Her instincts were telling her to let herself trust again, but her fears kept dancing around her judgments in ways they never had before. When someone dies or moves away, Zoe knew that at least she would have her memories and sensations to live with, pictures, friends and her own mind always kept the person's essence around in one way or another. But whatever this was had an indifferent side to it that came across as exceedingly cruel. In the eternal machinery that made up the universe, the simple fact that everything that had existed, be it a person, beast, or object, or perhaps something that did not fit into any of these categories easily, the fact that something of it would always be there to be discovered or revisited was comforting to Zoe but this comfort was no longer part of the overall picture of things. There was an unspoken understanding of the irony that they both found themselves in, giving their respective states of mind. Jason, the relatively well-adjusted person, wondering if he might be insane. All the while, Zoe, the mental patient, wondering if she might actually be sane. The phrases paranoid and schizophrenic, were often muttered in the same sentence, but usually not paranoid and archaeologist. Both were long past the phase of asking, why me? Or, why you? Just like any event in life, it was either random or it wasn't, and they decided to act accordingly, as more information was gathered. Of course, a few theories had reached out between them, but it was generally settled on that Zoe just was very open to the kind of impressions and phenomena that they were dealing with. After a few weeks, Zoe and Jason had managed to pull together almost all of the related notes from various sources, including the writing on Zoe's room using ancient symbols. Some of the old fascination had started to enter into Jason's moods again, which was a welcome change from what Zoe had observed in him in recent days. Despite this change, however, the ever-present thought that whatever happened in the past to fragment their existence would happen again making all thoughts of optimism a bit darker. One night after a brief meal from the local vending machine in the office, Jason and Zoe had discovered in a few of the archaeological journals that more of the symbols had been found in Western Australia. There was no mistaking that some of the Aboriginal stones had been carved in ways that it lined up with Zoe's scrawlings. But there had been an issue with some of the carbon dating and a large amount of the data had to be scrapped as the carvings would have predated the dinosaurs. Jason and Zoe had a discussion about the possibilities of pre-human civilization that may have been virtually erased from existence by whatever forces were haunting the two of them. Jason had been looking at Zoe for a few moments, his hand slightly more shaky than usual due to him recently consuming a king-sized chocolate bar of some type. Normally Zoe would have said something amusing, About getting stared at by him. Something like, I thought we were studying these things in these books, and with the exception of a tattoo or two, I have nothing written on me. That will be much help. But just the feeling of him looking at her was a comfort in and of itself, for it gave the impression, however false, of safety. So Zoe allowed it to continue as if she had not noticed. Zoe? Jason started, at last. I need to ask... Since I don't think we have touched on this yet, but what do you think they want you to get out of these visions, assuming of course that there is an intelligence behind what you have seen? Zoe's brow furrowed. What do you mean we haven't talked about it? It's kind of all we do. Yes, we talk about the what and when, an awful lot and occasionally the who, but I cannot think of a time we touched on the why. He sipped his coffee without breaking eye contact. Zoe looked at the travel tattoo on his neck as he swallowed the liquid and could not help but be reminded of the gullet of the prehistoric reptile that had almost eaten her. Although the reality of that encounter was still up in the air. Well, I suppose they are trying to tell me something, right? Even she was not happy with how obvious the statement was. She looked back at Jason to help get the conversation on track. Yes, but... Why do they want to show you these events and impressions is what I'm asking you? You're right, Zoe admitted. I haven't really given it much thought. She looked down at the writing on the desk under the lamps in the office and the words seemed jumbled together and unfocused all of a sudden. I guess I have a bit of a victim complex? You've earned it, I think, said Jason in a warm voice. But it may be that it is clouding things a bit. He stood and walked over, pulling up a chair next to hers. Let's think about this. He scooted the chair in close, so they could look at the same paper together. He leaned in and she could hardly believe that it wasn't on purpose, save for the fact that his face showed no signs of flirtation whatsoever. Okay, she said quietly. How are we thinking about this? Jason started to make notes in front of them both. Here is what we know, and here is what it could mean. He began. The first few images and sensations you felt were scattered in their meanings. You saw structures and things that appeared to deliver no pattern. But then... He continued to write down in the timeline. You received or found this, he said picking up the stone. This object serves as a focal point of the message, which turns from random to specific types of events, almost all of which involves something disappearing into or out of history. Zoe so turned her head and was distracted again temporarily by Jason's face being in such close proximity. I... She started and then collected herself. Well, it seems like a warning, doesn't it? The way they used to show us pictures in school of black lung disease, to deter us from smoking, or pictures of car accidents, to deter drinking and driving? He wrote down her statement and nodded. I agree, but I think there may be more to it. He put the stone down again and turned to face her, and for the first time he appeared to realize how close he had put himself to her, and he blushed for a moment before standing up and walking over to the window. Zoe smiled to herself. I can see warnings in it as well, he said. But why warn you? He turned to face her again. I think there is something it, or they, want, besides helping, I mean. Like what? she asked. Jason thought carefully about how to word what he was saying. It's just that maybe... It's just that, and maybe I am being too cynical for my own good, but most people, when reaching out with this kind of effort to someone so specific as yourself, have more than just charity in mind. There must be something in it for them. Wouldn't you agree? She looked at him and then down at the paper without speaking. I mean, I have seen people throughout history do some pretty amazing things, But going ridiculously out of their way to be nicer to another group is not one of them. There are exceptions, of course. He sat back down next to her again, this time both aware and unembarrassed by his proximity. I have seen, throughout history, people exceed their social expectations for three main reasons. Exploration, conquest, and sometimes desperation for help and quite often, a combination of all of them. She turned away from him, looked at the papers again, and closed her eyes, without speaking. Are you getting any impressions at all, from what you have experienced, besides the warnings within, as to what those who are giving you the visions are after? He had decided to ask bluntly the question that had been on his mind all evening. She turned to him and looked him deeply in the eyes. I think they are frightened. She continued to stare. And so am I. She put an affectionate hand on his shoulder and used it to move him back about a foot before she stood up. But if I also know that so much has already happened to them, and I can't explain what happened to them, that I think they are past fighting for survival at this point. I think they are fighting to have existed That's all. Chapter 19. What Must Be Done Both Jason and Zoe had dozed in the office. Jason leaned back in his chair and closed his eyes, falling asleep almost instantly, while Zoe curled up in her chair in a fetal position. She had to ask herself as she drifted in and out of consciousness, What do we hope to accomplish with all this research into the past? What do we hope to solve? All of what they had been doing, looking further and further back, ancient languages, stone circles eons old that were questionably made by humans, or perhaps nature, or something that Zoe and Jason could only place in the category of other. It was overwhelming to think of how many of these fragments they had found might have attached to something larger and less comprehensible than before. That only the dust and debris of these forces had been left behind, the clicks. Hisses and hums of the heating system in the building had been a constant these last few hours, so it was only in their absence that Zoe's eyes opened. They opened for what should have been only a few moments before drifting off again, but instead the silence of the building had alerted her to something else. It was not tangible at first, but her eyes could pick up a disturbance in the room. Something was wrong with not only the silence, but the light was wrong as well. She sat up and scanned around the room to see if she could detail what might be happening. Her own mental illness was holding doubts in her mind as to the reality of the vague symptoms. Was this all in her head after all? Knowing that she could only go with the information that she had in front of her, she kept looking for what was wrong. The first thing that she noticed was the fact that it was not simply that the furnace had turned off. She looked at the wall clock with the pendulum on Jason's wall, The pendulum was still moving, but it was no longer making a sound. "'Jason!' Zoe tried to say. Her vocal cords vibrated, but her voice made no sound. "'Jason!' she said in an attempted scream, meeting with the same results. She could not hear her feet creak on the floorboard or the breath escaping from her lungs. She swallowed dryly and took a step backwards knocking over the chair that moments ago she had slept in. She felt the vibration from the fall, but it, like the rest of the perceivable world at the moment, was silent. And this is where we'll stop for now, at chapter 19.